Some years ago, a man won the mega lottery, and as he was accepting his check, he said, I would like to thank God and Jesus. So this morning, I would like to thank God and Jesus for this opportunity to stand before you today. The Always God. We began this series several weeks ago. In week one, Tyrone spoke on the God who speaks, and he talked about how God continues to communicate with us. In the second installment, Matthew spoke on the God who hears, and we listen through his prayers. He listens to us, and he's waiting to hear from us. Today, our focus will be on the God who sees, but more specifically, the God who sees me. The God who sees, but more specifically, the God who sees me. I would like to recognize my family who is with me and some friends who came to join me. Thank you for coming to support me. Today, our focus will be, once again, on the God who sees, but more specifically, the God who sees me. Our textual reference is taken from Genesis chapter 16 and chapter 21. There are several characters in this drama, but today we want to focus mainly on Sarah's servant, Hagar. This tale is nothing short of a modern-day soap opera. Hagar became Abraham's second wife by the prompting of Sarah. Because Sarah was barren, she insisted that Abraham marry and sleep with her servant to build a family through Hagar. She was obviously not a Bahamian woman. (laughs) Once she became pregnant, Hagar began to despise her mistress and this distressed Sarah to the point where she blamed Abraham for her suffering. Abraham was a smart man. Rather than remind Sarah that she was the one who insisted on him sleeping with Hagar, he said, this is your servant. Do with her whatever you think is best. And immediately Sarah began to mistreat Hagar. In response to this abuse, Hagar lived up to her name. Because in Hebrew, the name Hagar means flight. And that is exactly what she did. She ran into the desert. And this was the time that she came with her first encounter with God. The angel of God said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your misery. She gave this name to the Lord. She called him El Roi, meaning the God who watches over me. Or the God who sees me. When somebody sees you, they understand you. They're not just looking at you. They understand who you are and what you're about. The God who sees me also means that he is the God who cares. I want to tell somebody in here right now that God has not forgotten you. Whatever you might be going through at this time in your life, God has not forgotten you. There is absolutely nothing that has happened in your life that is happening in your life or will happen in your life that is beyond the reach of God. And it doesn't take God by surprise. 
Matthew 10 says, God even knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, for me and Tyrone, that's easy. Some of us got a little more for him to count. Isaiah 49, 16 says, See, I have tattooed your name upon my palm. He has engraved your name. Every time he looks down at his palm, he sees you. He is tattooed. Now, there are several truths that we want to make about this always seeing God. What exactly does God see? God sees what we do. I believe that this, at this point, many of us wish we had caught this sermon online. Because for far too many Christians, our private lives do not match our public persona. We live a duplicit lifestyle. For too many of us, the person people see on Sunday is quite different than the one they see through the course of the week. What type of saint are you when you leave these four hollowed walls? Well, y'all going quiet, eh? What a sin. That is why the word admonishes us to let our light shine where before men, that they may see our what? Good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. God sees what we do. The crazy thing is that try as we must, we cannot hide from God. You will recall that in Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve were walking with God in the cool of the day. They were naked and they were not ashamed. But in chapter 3, they messed up. They disobeyed God. And as a result of that, they hid themselves. In fact, they became clothing designers because they sewed some fig leaves before they hid themselves. And when God came looking for them, they said, I, will, I was afraid. I heard you coming. The trust had been broken. The thing is, why you can't hide from God is simply this. He is omniscient. He is an all-knowing God. He is omnipresent. He is in your past as he is in your present as he will be in your future. So stop trying to hide from God. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Proverbs 5.21 says this. For a man's ways are before the Lord, and the Lord examines all his parts. 15 and 30 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. I love this one that comes from Second Chronicles 16 and 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Those whose heart is blameless before God, he's willing to give you strong support. My father taught me the old-fashioned way to swim. He would take us out into the deep, and then he would leave us and say, swim to shore. I think he should have been committed, but that's just me. What we, what we knew, though, that he was just two or three strokes away from where we were. He was watching even when we didn't know he was watching. And if my earthly father can do that, I wonder how much more our heavenly father who sees us, the all-seeing God, the God that... I just wonder how much more he is doing behind the scenes in my life. God sees everything. Even when others don't see and appreciate what you do, 
know that God does. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and, the, and he demonstrated that God sees what we do. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you? When did we see you thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you naked and clothed you? When were you sick and in prison and we visited you? The king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did, for one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you did it for me. God sees what we do. It is reported that one day Michelangelo, the great artist, was painting an obscure part of the Sistine Chapel, a part that most persons would never come to see. And a gentleman asked him, Michael, why are you painting it so meticulously in that corner? Nobody will hardly see that. And he said, God will. As difficult it must have been for Hagar to return to the place she had run away from, Hagar knew that she had seen the God who saw her. Not only for who she was, but who she could become. So our first point is that God sees what we do. Our second truth is that God sees what we do not. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 9 through 10 says, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. That is the reason we need to place our trust in God and the God who sees what we don't. Too often we make our decisions based on limited knowledge or we make choices on our emotional state of mind. And when the outcome is not as we expected, we become frustrated with ourselves, we become frustrated with others, and we even become frustrated with God. When Samuel went to Jesse's house, and you need to get your amen in early, because like Elizabeth Taylor said to her seven husbands, I won't keep you long. <laughs> when Samuel went to Jesse's house to appoint and the king who would replace Saul, Jesse brings his sons in one after the other. The first one Samuel comes across is Eliab, and Samuel is impressed with what he sees. Eliab is tall. He is handsome, and he looks like he should be a king. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesse paraded seven of his sons before Samuel, and Samuel told him that God had not chosen any of these. The one that God had chosen was sitting in a field watching his father's flocks. He was sitting in a field, and he would become known as the man who chased after God's own heart. But his own father did not 
I want to make this declaration over someone who is listening. Don't you worry if people overlook you. Don't you worry if they don't believe in you. If God gives you the vision, he will give you the provision. If it is God's will, then it is his bill. He will pay for it. David was God's choice. Despite his own father not considering him worthy when Samuel came looking for a king. But remember that God sees what we do not. The stone that the builders rejected became what? Parenthetically, we need to be mindful of the words we speak over this generation of young people. When you tell that young boy that he will grow up to be like his no good father, or tell that young girl that she will never amount to anything, then we wonder why these same kids turn on our society. Another thing is we need to stop blaming our kids for what was once our pleasure. What we need to tell them is that they, that in the eyes of God, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. What we need to tell them that they were made in the image and likeness of God. Show them who they could become. Pour seeds of encouragement in their lives. Again, God sees that which we do not. How many of you get frustrated when God don't answer your prayer? There you go. I said to God earlier this year, I don't want anything that I prayed for that's not going to bring you glory. I don't want you to give me anything that I prayed for that's not going to give God glory. But maybe some of our prayers go unanswered. I just mean maybe because God has something better lined up for us. But in our haste to satisfy a current desire, we sacrifice what God wants to do in our lives. Hagar became a surrogate for Sarah. And the problem with that was this was not part of God's plan. And as a result, we saw a woman who was scorned and another who was abused. We need to be patient in the process. Because the word says, eyes has not seen nor as heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Don't rush. Stop chasing after things that God don't want you to catch. To all my brothers, be careful. Just because she looks like a queen means she is one. You might just have a gold digger on your hand. And for all you all who will happen to my sisters, be careful. There might be a scrub hiding behind the facade of your Prince Charming. God sees all pieces at play. He sees what will bring us harm. He sees what will bring him the most glory. He sees the cause and effect of every choice we make before we make it. That's why he said in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. 
These are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And that is why we can say with confidence that I know that all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. This is why we must stand firmly in our faith because it's our faith that will allow us to see with our spiritual eyes that which is not readily understood in the natural. God sees what we do. God sees what we do not. Thirdly, God sees what has us down. How many times in our lives we feel abandoned by God and everyone else? What is that thing or those things that cause us sleepless nights? Is it a broken relationship? Is it something in our past? Is it that secret sin that we are struggling with? Is it that the bills are piling up and we don't know where we're going to get the money to pay for those bills? Is it an addiction? Is it illness or injury? Is it death of a loved one? Let me just say this. If it, if it bothers you, you can bother God. The word of God says, cast all of our cares upon him. Why? Because he cared for us. The last time we saw Hagar, she had an encounter with El Roi, the God who watches over me or the God who sees me. Let's fast forward to Genesis chapter 21. Here we see that Hagar has yet another detrimental experience. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. Which promise are you connected to? Where, where is it that you connect your faith to? So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch my son die, she said as she burst into tears. 
She cried because all she was looking at was the dire situation before her. What she should have remembered was that she called him El Rohi, the one that watches over me, the one who sees me. And the same God of chapter 16 is the same God in chapter 21. The same God who was concerned about her well-being when she was down in chapter 16 is the same God who is watching over her in chapter 21. God is a keeper of his word. The same God that promised her in chapter 16 that her descendants would be too numerous to count is the same God who sees her situation in chapter 21. There was no way God was going to allow Hagar or Ishmael to die because his name was on the line. That's why we say he leads us in the paths of righteousness for what? Even if I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because he is with? His name is on the line. God is a promise-keeping God. He has kept his promise never to leave nor forsake us and to be with us even unto the end of the world. Here's the last point about this third truth, that God sees what has us down. When we read Psalm 121, we, are, we can be confident that no matter what we are faced with, now or in the future, God has us comprehensively covered. Because according to Psalm 121, starting at verse 4, it says, Indeed, he, watch, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. We can substitute our name with Israel. The God who watches over Calvin does not slumber or sleep. The Lord himself watches over me. The Lord stands beside me as my protective shade. The sun will not harm me by day nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps me from all harm and watches over my life. The Lord keeps watch over me as I go out and as I come in, both now and forevermore. It makes a difference how you read that if you insert your name instead of Israel in this place. He's an all-seeing God. Our last point. God sees what Jesus has done. When God looks down on us, he sees two categories of people, only two. There are those who are in Christ and those who are not. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus, God no longer sees us and our sin. Instead, he sees his son. In Colossians 3, it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You can't appear with him in glory if your life is not hidden in Christ, in God. What does God see when he sees us? There are those of us who are in Christ and those who are not. I want to speak just briefly for those who are not in Christ. You're, you're a saint in waiting. Have you ever stopped and wondered why 
why he came and why he died, why he left his heavenly home, why the sinful earthy room. Well, I stopped and asked him why, why he came and why he died, why he left his heavenly home, why the sinful earthy room. And simple was his reply. He did it for you and I. If you're listening and you're in this place or you're listening online and you don't know the Lord as your personal savior, we invite you to come home. We invite you to come home. We're not asking you to join NPCC in the first instance. What we're asking you is to join the family of God. Too many things are happening nowadays for us to be without a covering. And we need to understand that. Every time I look in the newspapers on a Thursday and see the number of persons there, they've gone home. Wherever that home may be, we invite you to come home. Let this be the day of your salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Father, we thank you and we bless you and we praise you for this word. We ask you right now, God, to move as only you can among your people. We thank you for those, God, who will accept you today as their Lord and Savior. We thank you for those, God, who have gone astray and now they're coming back home. God, you are the all-seeing God. You're omniscient. You know everything. You're omnipresent, God. You're every place all the time. Thank you, God, that you took up residence in our hearts. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.